Hello and welcome back, fight fans, to episode 207B of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. Tonight we're going to talk about Gervonta Tank Davis getting arrested for simple battery domestic violence. And he has an arraignment set up March 3rd in Miami. We're going to preview all of this week's action. Uh, Saturday night we have a PBC on Showtime card from Allentown, Pennsylvania. We also have a matchroom card on the zone from Sheffield Arena in Yorkshire, UK. All right, guys. So, um, by the way, phone lines are open. So uh, go ahead and get in there right now. If you got something to say, you want to get on the phone lines. The number to call is 213-267-7787. And I always have a little bit of homework for you guys to do, right? I always have a weekly fee. I talk about it. It's non-monetary. It's just a favor I ask of you guys. And some of you guys are like, ah, I did that before. I've, I've liked, I've subscribed. And you skip over that part. This week's is important, all right? I need your input on something. So uh, I think it was Sean Thompson on Twitter had a great idea about me starting the show a little bit earlier so that you guys over in the UK can get on. So I wanted to know what you guys thought about that. If I did a show, now look, right now we've been doing Monday and Thursday shows. Now that we got the phone lines set up, we're going to start having guests pretty soon. So we're going to eventually go back to a Monday show, and that's it. Because these Monday shows are going to start running longer. Once we get more callers used to calling in, once I get guests, we're going to have weekly guests that start to show off. It's going to be fighters, trainers, promoters, network guys, fellow media members, writers, everybody. Okay, So that's going to be what we're doing with the show going forward. And that's going to make the show run a little bit longer. So we're eventually going to go scale back to just a Monday show. What I want to ask you guys is, would you be open to an earlier show? Maybe we go on at 3 o'clock Eastern time. That's noon on the West Coast, but that's only 8 p.m. for you guys in the U.K. So all of my U.K. uh, viewers and and listeners can get in there and and hear it live. We're also going to start going live on Spreaker and YouTube simultaneously. That's in the works. We're still testing out the Spreaker thing. Okay, And also... I need to hear from you UK guys. I need to hear a lot from you because I have the ability to set up a local UK number. Right now, the number to call into the show is is an LA number, 213. So I can also add a UK number. We'll have two different numbers. So you guys over in the UK, you could call in live too, and it will be a free call for you. I'll pay for that on my end if enough of you UK guys want to call in. So I need to hear from you. Are you cool with an earlier show? I mean, I can even go uh, Mondays at 1 p.m. in the middle of the afternoon here, and it would be 10 a.m. for you guys on the West Coast. So you guys will be at work on the West Coast, and you could watch or listen live at work. And you guys over in the U.K., it would be 6 p.m. What I need to hear from you guys about is, do you want the U.K. local number? We'll try that out. And are you cool with an earlier start time on Monday? And if so, what time is best? I'm not going to be able to please everybody, but I want to try to find a happy middle, a happy medium. We're going to start off with the American number, the UK number, and then possibly in the future, we can add more software. But we got to do like one thing at a time, okay? So it's piece by piece, brick by brick. And I know that's Annoying for some of you guys because you want it all right now. But what I need to hear from is all of you guys. USA, UK, I have a lot of listeners in Canada. I have listeners in Japan, uh, South America, Africa. I need to hear from all you guys. India, 
I need to hear from everybody. I got a ton of listeners in Mexico. I need to hear uh, from you guys about what time the show should go on Monday. All right. Um, and so that's just what we're going to try to add. And down the line, we'll probably have more software and we could be able to do all kinds of cool stuff. Split screens. I'll be able to play, uh, you know, uh, vignettes and stuff in a little box beside me as I talk. I could maybe break down fight action. We have all kinds of stuff in the works. But every time we add a piece of technology, you, you guys see how much I struggle with it. <laughs> if it wasn't for Tiffany, I wouldn't know what the hell I'm doing. So, you know, I'm just adding piece by piece. Also, every time we add a piece of technology, it, it's another thing that can crash on all the systems that I have running. So piece by piece, we're going to add it. The next piece we're going to add is the UK phone line and an earlier start time. I think that's a good idea. I think I'd like to try that. So I can't see all of your comments right now live on the YouTube chat. I need you guys to comment on the YouTube video once it's posted. So leave a comment on YouTube, Facebook, Tweet me, DM me, whatever it is. But over uh, the next few days, over the weekend, please give me your opinion, and we'll take that to Monday's show, all right? So that is my ask. That is my weekly fee for you guys for 207B, this episode of The Neutral Quarter. As always, drop a like, a review, a rating. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're following me. And because YouTube loves to do funky shit and unsubscribe people and uh, take the notifications bell off. I don't know why they do that. But they love to do it. All right, let's get into the news, guys. Um, Gervonta Davis arrested for simple battery domestic violence. This, of course, is coming from the, uh, the incident, the video. You guys have all seen it. We talked about it Monday. I was pretty passionate in that rant. Boy, did I take some heat for that shit. But, you know, for the most part, I think most people respected it. Uh, it seemed to go over pretty well. But, of course, I did take some shit. Anyway, Gervonta uh, turned himself in. And I think you can kind of see the writing on the wall here because he shut down his Instagram, he shut down his Twitter, and turned himself in when there was a warrant for his arrest. So like I was saying Monday, uh, somebody, uh, whether it's Leonard Ellerby or maybe his trainer or his coach, I don't know, maybe it was Floyd himself, picked up the phone and said, yo, dude, turn off your social media and turn yourself in. And that's what he did. So uh, also, there is an arraignment scheduled. So the, the court date is going to be March 3rd in Dade County, which is the county Miami is in. And the reason for the arrest, this is something that's interesting here too. Because remember, this video went around for a few days. Nothing really happened, right? It was almost uh, almost a week before there was any action that took place from law enforcement for this video. Then suddenly there's a warrant for his arrest. He turns himself in. Well, according to TMZ, the report from TMZ, there were surveillance cameras backstage. We all saw the video in the bowl of the stadium, and he dragged the girl backstage. Well, apparently, Javante Tank Davis was not aware that there were surveillance videos. Guys, wherever you go in public, there's cameras everywhere. There were surveillance cameras, I should say, not surveillance videos. Surveillance cameras back there, and they caught him allegedly. I'm saying allegedly, okay, because that's what TMZ is saying, allegedly hitting the girl in the face and causing uh, – Injuries to her lips and jaw. So that's enough right there to arrest. We'll see what happens. Now I kind of put Javante Davis in the same bucket as uh, Sergey Kovalev, Marcus Brown, some of these other guys recently, Conor McGregor, that have had issues like this. The only difference is there's video of Davis. There wasn't video of those guys, but he's going to have his day in court. So at this point, we don't talk about it. We let the legal system 
play itself out. Uh, by the way, guys, check out this T-shirt here. My man Pietro from Canada sent this to me. Arturo freaking Gotti. That is awesome, man. That is awesome. A true champion will fight through anything on this shirt. Dude, thank you so much, Pietro. I appreciate it, Paisan. Uh, I will post your link where people can check out some of your shirts. Guys, Pietro makes awesome tees, including this one. This one's dope. You can ask Tiffany. I've been wearing it for like three nights straight. She, she, she washed it this morning, though. She did wash it this morning. So it's clean. It wasn't clean last night, but it is clean right now. Okay. <laughs> anyway, next news item. Uh, the WBC has removed recognition of Alejandro Jimenez as their 168-pound title holder as they await the testing of the B sample from VADA. And uh, that is supposed to take place February 19th. So in a couple weeks, they're going to test the B sample. I got a, just a sneaking suspicion, guys. I'm looking into my crystal ball. I think it's going to be just as bad as the A sample. That's just usually what happens. I'm just telling you right now. So uh, I like the WBC. Didn't strip her or anything. You know, they removed recognition. We'll see how this plays out. Biggest news I saw today uh, was, and this really was a surprise. I mean, they were talking about this. <clears throat> there were rumors about it. But I didn't expect it to go down so soon. I'm really surprised, pleasantly surprised. It's not official yet, but the we're supposed to get an announcement tomorrow. Joe Joyce going up against Daniel Dubois, April 11th, 02 Arena. I believe this will be ESPN yeah, I think ESPN Plus here in the United States. Don't quote me on that. I think ESPN Plus. But for you guys over in the UK, unfortunately, it's going to be pay-per-view. Yeah, kind of sucks. But I will say, uh, your pay-per-views over there, correct me if I'm wrong, they're about $25 American, I think, is what it comes to. I'd pay 25 bucks for that fight. And, you know, look, if you guys paying out 25 American or whatever, correct me if I'm wrong. I think what it is in pounds breaks down to like 25, 30 bucks American. If that's what it takes to get two prospects like this fighting each other at this time, maybe it will, if this card does well, maybe it will entice other prospects to do the same thing. Maybe if that's what it takes, so be it because I love this damn fight. Joyce is 34. Dubois is only 22. If Dubois pulls this off, holy shit, that's big. It, it's really big. If Joyce pulls it off, it's big for him. Either way, it's, it's, a, it's a great matchup, uh, good, solid test of two prospects. And it, just in terms of styles, it's going to be a hell of a fight. That's going to be a fun atmosphere. I can't wait for that one if it comes off, man. I, I really did not think they were going to go in that direction. I really didn't. I'm really pleasantly surprised. Guys, a reminder, the phone lines are open right now. So call in 213-267-7787. Let's get into the preview of this week. Actually, tonight there's a fight card. Golden Boy Promotions on the zone from Indio, California. That card is headlined by Oscar Negrete, uh, who's a good guy. He always gives an honest effort. Good, solid, professional prize fighter. Not the best card, but those are usually fun out there in Indio, California. Tomorrow, February 7th, there is a non-televised card from Panama City, but I thought I should mention it because there are a couple of interim title bouts on the line. I think like flyweight and junior flyweight. And uh, Saturday, February 8th, Artem Dalakian defending his WBO flyweight title 
for the fourth time against Venezuelan pizza boy, basically. You know, this guy won the title off Brian Viloria in 2018 on one of those Superfly cards and has disappeared to Ukraine since against shit opposition. I'm really disappointed in Delakian because I thought he had a lot of potential, man. Uh, Super Chat Pledge from PLU. Thank you very, very much for the Super Chat. He says, thanks for the great content as always, Mike. Where can I buy that T-shirt? Look at that, Pietro. You already got a sale here. My boy Pietro in Canada makes these. Uh, Sent this one down to me just to show you guys, to show it off. It's dope. It's very comfortable, by the way. As I said, I've been wearing it for days. I will post a link on this video. Pietro, if you're in the chat, please respond to PLU there and uh, post the link in the YouTube chat right now live so he can see it. All right. um, All right. Gail's requesting I stand up. I don't want to get off camera here, but I'm briefly going to stand up. Just so you guys can see the design. Boom. It's it's a dope shirt. It just is. And I've checked out a lot of Pietro's stuff. It's awesome. It's definitely worth it to check him out. So uh, he does great designs. I will, again, I'll post a link here in a pinned comment on this YouTube video once it's done processing and everything else. So Pietro, you better get your ass in the chat because now Chris Bergen is saying he wants one. So you better get in the chat here. And uh, give everyone your link. But guys, if uh, Pietro might be working or something, I will, again, check back on this video later after it's processed and everything. I will post it um, in the chat, or, or not in the chat, in the pinned comment. I see Trooper Cabra in the chat says, I'm doing this in my boxers. They're not boxers. They're Adidas soccer shorts. They just happen to be white. They're not boxers, I promise. I wouldn't do that to you guys. I really wouldn't. <laughs> All right, uh, look, we have an anonymous caller here. This could be a troll. But I'm gonna I'm gonna use uh, go against my better judgment here and take this call from anonymous. If it's a troll, we'll get some entertainment out of this. Let's see here if they'll pick it up. All right, anonymous, uh, you are on the neutral corner. What's up, Mike? Is your guy Kenneth from the island of Barbados? I'm not a troll. Oh, what's up, Kenneth? How you doing, man? It said anonymous. I did not know what I'm to doing... expect. <laughs> I I I know I'm calling with the VOIP, so oh, okay. that's why it says anonymous. How you doing, man? I just wanted to just... I'm doing great. I wasn't feeling too well. You know, we keep missing ourselves in, in Atlanta. I'm always in the Buckhead area. And uh-huh. we never get to meet during the uh, during fights. You know, but I just wanted to just um, call in and support your show and, you know, wish you all the best. You're doing fantastically well. I'm enjoying the show. You know, I'm always a great supporter. And, um, you know, um, we're on Twitter all the time. And I'm always very, very... You know, I think we have the similar views on, on the fight. You know, I, I, yeah. you know, we discussed about... My first block, which I was surprised about when I uh, challenged uh, one of your colleagues on um, whom Deontay Wilder and Titan Fury has, has Oh, you got your uh, first uh, but, social um, media block? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, which, I was, which I was pretty surprised because I thought I asked a very salient question. But I'm enjoying the show. I had the opportunity to sit down and listen in, and I just wanted to call in and you know offer my support from Barbados. Dude, that's great, man. I wish I was down there right now. It's uh, We're having... Kind of almost, uh, I don't want to say monsoon kind of weather, but it's it's pretty bad. It's uh, is it like sunny and warm and eighty degrees down there in Barbados right now? It it is it is the best of Barbados right now. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit, but it's twenty is twenty six degrees Celsius. It is wonderful at the oh, moment. Oh yeah, you know, that's like right of the, of the year. I think that's like seventy five. Yeah, that's like perfect, man. Yeah, that sounds great. It's it's perfect weather. Well, the wind is fantastic. 
Man, well, well, you know what? Tiff and I will have to get down there one of these days. And when we do that, uh, first round's on me, brother. Okay, man. All right. My regards to, to Tiff. All the best. Keep all up right. with a great show. Thanks a lot, man. Have a good night. All right, Kenneth from Barbados. That's an awesome call, man. I Yeah, when it said anonymous, I did not. I was like, oh, man, who is this going to be? <laughs> you know, uh all right, you know what? We got another one here. Let's go ahead and take this one from uh I'm trying to think. Five two one three. You are on the neutral corner. What's going on? Five two one three. Hello. Hello? Yes, what's going on? Hello, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, this is Arturo from Mexico. Oh, what's up, Arturo? How you doing, man? Good, How are you? Doing good, my man. What part of Mexico are you come okay. from? Okay, uh, yeah. I'm in Guadalajara, Jalisco. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, I'm from Mexico. I'm from Venezuela, so but I'm living here. So, what's going on, man? What you got for the show? Okay. You got a question or what? Yeah, I, I got. A, I got a question for you, I got a question. I don't know if you... I want to talk about Alejandra Jimenez. Okay. See, she was in a ESPN Deportes show in Latin America, and she says that... Arturo, you there? You might have me... Uh, you might be yeah, having a mute. Oh, okay. One day before the fight, and then one day after the fight, she took a blood and urine test, and that went negative. So what she's claiming, at least in this show, with uh, Bernardo Zuna or Eduardo Santos and those reporters, is that you know, for her, it's really strange that uh, with a blood and urine test, it's negative one day after the fight, and one day before it's positive. So I don't know your thoughts about it. Yeah, so, so I don't know what you think about that. Arturo, your, your call broke up a little bit, but I just want to explain to everybody else listening, because I saw that interview that you're talking about. Uh, so Alejandro Jimenez took, uh, there were several samples taken, blood and urine, both before and then after the fight. Most of them came back completely negative. Nothing showed up. And then, of course, there was that one test. I want to say it was January 10th, I think, the sample was taken. I still don't know if it was blood or urine. But that came back positive. They are going to test the B sample February 19th to see what that looks like. The thing is, Arturo, that doesn't necessarily prove that she wasn't doing anything. Because without getting too technical, and I've done videos talking about this before, um, there are fat cells in humans, especially in women. Women have more fat cells than men. And traces of uh, certain chemicals Uh, can get stuck in adipose fat cells. They can get stuck in the fat cells and not break down at the same rate as other, uh, other parts of the body. I'm I'm doing terrible job explaining this, but I think that's what happened with Alexander Povetkin as well. In one of his cases, that's just my hunch. That's my assumption. I don't have any physical evidence or proof for that. Uh, There's circumstantial evidence though, but I've talked to enough experts in this field. And I think Victor Conti, uh, who is ran uh, Belco and now he runs a uh, snack labs out there in the Bay area in California. He talked about this recently on his Twitter. He responded to this Alejandro Jimenez interview that you're talking about where he said kind of the same thing. So, th- so for those of you on Twitter, go to Victor Conti's Twitter page 
and you'll see where he was talking about this, where you can literally, again, it depends. Is it blood? Is it urine? Because there's different ways you can dilute a urine sample and everything else. If you're giving a urine sample when you first wake up in the morning and it's very concentrated, that is going to have different metabolites in it than if you give a urine sample after a two-hour workout and you've drank a gallon of water. So that can change everything. So we just don't know all the information yet. But Jimenez testing negative several times, both before and after the fight, before and after this one dirty test uh, showed up, that does not necessarily prove... Go ahead. Yes, in this interview, she says that the first sample was by her own. That this uh, the, the other fighter from from USA, I don't know. She was like uh, pressing that the 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 cut weight on her wasn't real. So she took the first sample and she delivered it to her promoter, and they give it to the. I mean, I, I think it was uh, Oscar de la Hoya people, and then she went to train in the autumn. Uh, center and okay. that's when Bara took the first test in Mexico City before the fight. Okay. So she says like the first one was by her own, that wasn't by Bara, and the second one it was with Bara. So I don't know. I, I heard you last uh, show when you talked about that. And another weird thing is that in Latin America, a lot of people in the genes use this substance in a drug called Winstrol. There's mm-hmm. a lot of know is using as Winstrol in bodybuilding. So, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to say anything, but uh, it, it can be. So, because it's, it's used a lot in Latin America. It's, there, there are several issues. So, I, I know there, there are particular drugs, I know of one in Mexico, that you could take as a, a diuretic to help you cut weight uh, that burns out of your system in 24 hours that you can pretty much get at a pharmacy over the counter. And it's very common to get in Mexico. I know this because I've talked to Mexican trainers and fighters who have talked about it. Or there's energy boosters. There's different yes, things I'm, people take. I'm from South America, and they use it a lot over there. Yeah. Yeah. And, like there's parts of so, Eastern Europe and everything where they use it, too. Uh, so, you know, there are, the thing is with the drug testing stuff, Arturo, is it's, it's not a perfect science. They're still working it all out. You got to think of it this way, my man. As the scientists are figuring out how to test for this stuff and how to detect it, on the other side, there's the dirty scientists figuring out how to beat the tests. So it's it's like uh, it's like a cop and a robber, you know, like it's the policeman and the criminal, and they're constantly dancing. They're constantly, you know, trying to outperform each other. So there's always going to be uh, hiccups, as we say. You know, there's always going to be issues where. Sometimes a fighter looks dirty and they're not. Sometimes a fighter looks clean and they're dirty. In this case, we have to wait and see what the B sample says with VADA. The one thing that I know about VADA is because I've looked into this. I've spent hours researching this and talking to people. Their process of collecting a sample and shipping it from where it's collected to the lab is second to none. It is the best in the world. It is better than Olympic doping. It is the best. Uh, They call it a chain of command, a chain of custody. I'm sorry, chain of custody. And people have to sign off at every place where that sample goes to all the way to the lab. And they only test in WADA accredited labs. I know this stuff, I could get into all this nerdy shit we could talk about for an hour, but I trust VADA. I really, really do trust VADA. And the, the, the drug that Jimenez tested dirty for is 
an anabolic steroid. It's not something like clenbuterol that's used in livestock, you know, like with the Canelo situation. So it's not something you find in a supplement that you could get at a gym in most places. So I'm suspicious. And she lost a lot of weight. She had a lot of energy in that fight. Now, again, we might find out that she's completely innocent and it was a mistake. We just have to wait and see. We just have to see what happens. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling, Arturo. Have a good night, my man. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. We got a couple more callers here. And we'll jump into these calls. Uh, then we'll get back to the preview of what's coming up this weekend. Six one zero, you are on the neutral corner. Go. Hey, what's up, Mike? How you doing? What's up? It's uh, I'm a. I called to ask you about, uh, in your opinion, who who would uh, Vasily Lomachenko have to beat? in order to legitimately separate himself from Terrence Crawford as hands down pound for pound number one. And I mean, I'm talking about real boxing fans, people like you. I'm not talking about the people on YouTube with the race factor that I'll never give him his due. I'm talking about real boxing fans. Uh, who do you think he's going to have to beat to elevate himself to, to number one? So, uh, Well, for me personally, it's Teofimo Lopez. I mean, Teofimo Lopez is the second best lightweight in the world. If he beats him, that bumps him ahead of Terrence Crawford on my list. If Ter- now if Terrence Crawford gets Sean Porter and dominates him, then sh- then he becomes number one. So it, it really depends on what they both do this year. But for Lomachenko to really break through and you know break through to the casual fan and everybody. He's probably going to have to beat a name. And I just don't know what names are around. You know, maybe it's Mikey Garcia. I, even though he lost, if Mikey Garcia beats Jesse Vargas and goes to 140, and Lomachenko goes all the way up to 140 and fights him, maybe that will give him the recognition, you know? Because uh, he's not even like, I think Lomachenko's number one. I think the Boxing Writers Association of America has him number one. Most platforms do, but Ring Magazine doesn't. Ring Magazine right now recognizes Canelo as number one. I disagree with that. I think it's Crawford is 1A and Lomachenko's 1B, but, um, but you know, it's not even universal right now. I, and I think it could shift back and forth over the next couple of years just depending on who these guys fight. But if Lomachenko fights and beats, decisively beats, Tiafima Lopez, I don't know how you can't have him number one pound for pound after that fight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, that's a very interesting point of view. I, I appreciate you taking the time to answer my call, Mike. Yeah, Thank I appreciate you. you calling in, man. Have a good night. All right, buddy. All right. All right, let's take one more call, and then uh, back to the preview we go. We have another anonymous. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, shit. We have another anonymous. All right, anonymous, you are on TNC. Hello, Mike. It's Hamid from the UK. So you got your first UK call on board. Hamid, what's up, man? Calling from the UK. You... How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, i got to say, you've been doing a really good job, but... If you could bring back the time to an earlier time for the UK callers, uh, that'd be really good. So I appreciate that if you're considering doing that. Yeah, I think it's a great idea because I think even if, 
even for people here in the United States, you know, they might be at work and a lot of people work in an office. They could just turn on the show and watch it or listen. They're at work in their office. So I don't think it's necessarily going to hurt my, you know, USA audience. And if I can help bring in more UK viewers live, because you guys support my show so much on the iTunes side, you know, you guys always listen the day after. If I can get you guys to call in more live, that'd be awesome. So um, I think it's something I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you can't really call in from the UK. Like, normally I'm asleep at midnight, or I sometimes work late night. So I'm either at work or I'm asleep, and I can't really call at midnight. Today I had a couple of stuff to sort of, but yeah, that'd be really good. I, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. I was just wondering because. Uh, Cal Brook is fighting this week, uh, and he's one of the guys that I kind of even forgot about now. And I thought he was a really talented fighter. But would you say he's one of the biggest wasted talents in boxing alongside Adrian Broner, or would you say he's a bigger wasted talent? You know, the way I, the way I look at Kel Brook is it's a guy who made a really bold move going up to 160 to fight Gennady Golovkin when the fight with Eubank fell through and he saved the day for, for matchroom. You're right. He saved the day for, uh, I think it was on HBO. Uh, he saved the day for a lot of people and got a good payday out of it. I I think, career high payday, but that ruined him, brother. He's never been the same. Yeah. And look, we, it might be I the same thing with Mikey you. Garcia, with, with what Mikey Garcia did against Errol Spence. We don't know yet. We'll find out. But yeah, I just, that might've been too much. For Kell Brook. Yeah, I was at that fight. I thought I was impressed with him because I thought he hurt uh, Golovkin in round two. I don't know about if Trumbull G was staggered, but I thought he felt his punches. I, I, I don't think he fought a reckless fight. But I think that ruined his career because he wrecked up his face and then, then he fought another tough guy in Errol Spence. And I think that was too much. Like I think if he didn't have the Golovkin fight, the Spence fight maybe might not have done as much damage. I know it was his other eye socket, but I think his face was broken up. Uh, I don't think he's been the same since then. I personally think his career is probably over. I was just going to ask one more question, because we were talking about this on, online, um, about the Fury-Wilder fight. I thought Fury would win the first fight. Um, I thought he'd outbox him, maybe get clipped. There was a chance I thought Wilder would knock him out, but... I'm really not sure what's going to happen in the rematch. I got a feeling either one guy gets knocked out or the other. I think it might just end in a knockout. How do you see the rematch going? We're two weeks out. Yeah, I keep going back and forth. You know, one one other note about Brooke. I think, you know, I agree with you. It, it might have been the Spence fight that actually did more damage to him because if you think about it, he had to get down from 160 to 147 and go right into a fight with Errol Spence, which he was winning up until like the eighth, ninth round. So prime for prime, Kell Brook probably beats Errol Spence. Had he never fought Gennady Golovkin and moved up yeah. in weight, he probably would have beat Errol Spence that night. But I think it was the combination of breaking one side of his face against Golovkin, draining. He sh after that fight, he should have went to 154. He's always been a 154-pound fighter. He was never a welterweight. He killed himself to get down to 47. But yeah. going back down to 47 and fighting Spence, he was done after that. But, uh, okay, so Wilder Fury, and we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks, of course. But my gut feel, my man, is that it's going to look a lot like the first fight. 
but I think Wilder's going to get the KO in this one. And the reason here's why I say this: uh, Boxing Monthly, uh, we just went went around and asked the whole staff, you know, what our picks are for that fight, and it'll be posted soon on the website on BoxingMonthly.com. And I wrote on there, you'll be able to see in more detail that basically going into that first fight. Fury had had 12 rounds with Vladimir Klitschko, the last great heavyweight. And even though it wasn't the best version of Vladimir, it was, you know, yeah, past his best days, it was still Vladimir Klitschko. And he had those 12 rounds with an elite-level heavyweight. He took that experience into the ring against Wilder, who had not yet faced an elite-level heavyweight. But in that fight, he was facing an elite-level heavyweight in Tyson Fury. So Wilder got 12 rounds of experience there against Fury in that fight that he now can learn from and bring into the rematch. That coupled with who they fought last year. Fury fought two journeymen, which I think Top Rank did on purpose to keep that rematch secure because they, they, Fury is kind of an uh, unpredictable character, right? You kind of don't know which way he's going to go, which version is going to show up. So... They got him in there against two journeymen to to make sure that he's going to win and line up that rematch. He did the WWE thing, which was genius for marketing. But Wilder's rematch with Luis Ortiz, yeah, he lost every round, but he scored the knockout in the end. And that experience, yes, Luis Ortiz, I don't think he's an elite-level heavyweight, but he's a lower-tier top-10 heavyweight. And I just think the momentum favors Wilder. So I like Wilder by late knockout. It's possible, though, dude, it could go the distance again. It's very possible it goes the distance again, and we get a split decision. Do not rule that out because both sides of the promotion and the networks want a rubber match. They've all told me that to my face. So if you get a controversial split decision or something, they're going to run it right back in the summer. Uh, how many people picked, uh, you know, in the box a monthly, I don't buy those magazines. I used to a really long time ago. I think Ring Magazine used to do the same thing. When they do a poll, how many people picked Wild and Fury? Do you know the to- total or is that poll, whatever, not out to I know it's got to be on the website because we all predicted the fight last time. So you could probably Google and search for it. But off the top of my head, I want to say most of the British writers picked Tyson Fury. Uh, most people did. I I can't remember who I picked. I honestly cannot remember. Um, I wasn't surprised. For the rematch, with the draw. For the first one. For the first one, I don't remember. No, no. Oh, you're talking about for the rematch? I was just wondering. For the rematch, that that isn't uh, that hasn't been posted yet, so I, I don't know. But um, I can tell you based on the results that I did see, just from the the emails I was copied on as we kind of all chatted back and forth. Uh, most people seem to be seeing it the way I do, that most people, including the British writers, seem to be favoring Wilder, that he's just kind of uh, yeah. peaking right now, you know, and Fury is that character you just don't know. Also, I forgot forgot to mention this, dude, he, he changed trainers. He should have changed trainers right yeah. after the first fight, because if had he done that, this would be his third fight with the Crunk team, and that would be good, but this is his first fight. I just it, there's too many variables, dude. You gotta favor Wilder. Mike. Yo. Mike, I understand what you're saying. Uh, I will say one thing. I've watched uh, nearly Fury's whole career from his second pro fight. I don't think trainer is gonna make a difference because I remember his fight with Steve Cunningham. Uh, his I think his uncle or dad, I can't remember, didn't have a visa, and he had a guy called I forgot the name of, him, but he's a part-time security. 
I personally think this fight will come down to mentality. If Fury is not switched on, I think he could get knocked out. If Fury doesn't show him respect, um, he's gonna get uh, he's gonna get knocked out. I think Fury needs to mix it up. I, I do think he can stop Wilder late, although I think that is risky. I think he could get clipped as well. I think it's a fifty fifty fight. I see where you're going with it, though. I can see that as well. I do think Wilder has got the more momentum. But thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good night or a good morning, a good day. <laughs> Thank you, Ahmed. I appreciate it. All right. Hey guys, Ahmed makes a good point. I, I mean, look, clearly Tyson Fury is the better boxer. And, of course, we'll talk more about this as the fight gets closer. But um, and we're going to have Jim Boone on to talk about the ticket sales for that fight and everything the week of the fight to give you guys the inside scoop because that's what I do for you. It's going to be fun. I don't see Fury stopping Wilder. But I can certainly see him outboxing Wilder, playing it safe, and uh, not getting dropped this time. If he goes all 12 rounds without getting dropped, Fury is going to win by decision. And I guarantee you if that happens, we're going to get the rubber match. The only way we're not going to get the third fight is if Wilder blasts him out in like three or four rounds. I do not see that happening. All right, guys, uh, let's see. Did I get all the calls for right now? Yeah, I think I got. Okay, uh, back to the preview. All right, so I talked about our Tim Delakian, who's really disappointed me. Uh, there's also a strawweight fight in Panama. That's off TV. Evan Holyfield, 22 years old. Evander Holyfield's son, junior middleweight prospect, 2-0, fighting in Daytona Beach, Florida. That, if you want to get a look at Evan Holyfield, that is going to be on Pain Boxing social media. So Pain Boxing P-A-Y-N-E, Pain Boxing's YouTube and Facebook. So you guys will be able to get an up-close look at Evan Holyfield. That's one of Evander Holyfield's 400 kids. <laughs> Seriously, he does have a lot of kids, though. But um, he's 2-0 and and uh, fighting in Daytona Beach. All right, let's get to the televised stuff. Matchroom on the zone, Sheffield Arena in Yorkshire. Kid Galahad. Born in uh, Cotter and now lives in the UK, fighting Dominican Republic native Claudio Marrera, who has lost lost two of his last four. Uh, this is a featherweight fight, of course. Galahad came up short against Josh Warrington in his last fight. That was a split decision, close loss. I thought it was should have been a unanimous decision for Warrington uh, in June. So this is kind of a comeback, gimme fight. Going up against a guy who's lost two of his last four fights. I still like the style matchup, but I think Galahad's going to style on Marrero. I like him big in this one. And Kel Brook, who had no fights in 2019, going up against uh, Boston-area native Mark DeLuca, who is making a quantum leap in opposition in regards to talent and experience. I mean, Kel Brook, at, at one point, Kel Brook, in my opinion, was the number one welterweight in the world. When he beat Sean Porter, and by the way, he beat Sean Porter better than uh, than Errol Spence did, better than Keith Thurman did. I thought he clearly beat him in, in more decisively than those guys did. So Kell Brook was the number one welterweight in the world. And all that experience and, and skill sets that he has for DeLuca, this is a huge jump up in opposition. This fight will be at 154. Even though Brook has metal plates in his face, didn't fight last year, you still got to favor him. It's in his backyard uh, just the talent hand speed difference will be massively apparent uh, r- right away. And then um, he's just has so much more experience, but who knows? Maybe the tough kid from Boston can pull out an upset special. We've already had some upsets this year. We're only one month in, right? PBC on Showtime from Allentown, Pennsylvania. Not quite understanding why they put this card in Allentown, Pennsylvania, but that's another story. 
Guillermo Rigadiao going up against Liborio Solis, who fights out of Panama in a bantamweight fight. So he's moved down from 122 to 118. I like this move for Rigadiao. I think if he can do this and pull it off comfortably, it'll work for him. I think I expect Lomachenko to do it at some point. It's what Jamel Herring did. I've talked about that last year. That worked for, for him, going down in weight. Some of these older guys who uh, fight at a higher weight because there's fights there for them, old, you know, later in their career, they move back down to a more natural weight for them. It actually gives them some longevity. And I know uh, Laborio Solis is from Venezuela, but he fights out of Panama, I do believe. I see uh, Arturo Martinez commenting there in the chat. I know he's Venezuelan, but I, I, I believe I've heard that he trains and lives out of Panama. Correct me if I'm wrong, though, Arturo, but that's what I heard. Anyway, uh, bantamweight fight, and of course the WBA has to slide their ass into this. A vacant WBA regular bantamweight title on the line. What a shit show from the WBA. Uh, third fight for Rigadiao since quitting against Lomachenko in 2017. Very limited opposition. Solis is probably going to be his best opponent since that comeback from the uh, disaster against Lomachenko. In the main event, Gary Russell Jr. going up against Tug Scott, King Tug Nyambar, who is a Mongolian native and now lives in trains out of L.A. Before I get into that... Uh, man, I, I think I missed a couple super chats, guys. Let me go back over here. Yeah, I did. Holy shit. I'm sorry, guys. Super chat pledge on YouTube from D3440. Thank you so much. He says, currently listening to the podcast live at the gym. That's awesome, man. That's the way to do it. I'm telling you, I started listening to podcasts while I worked out probably about a year ago. You get so much more out of your workout. I just, for me, when you listen to music, I don't know. I, I'm just not as focused. I feel like the music is pushing you through the workout. When I listen with to a podcast, I listen with intent. I absorb more of the podcast, and I'm more focused on my workout. I love it. So uh, thank you so much for listening and for the super chat, my man. And let's see. There was another super chat from Justin S. Thank you so much. He says, was Fury leaving Ben Davidson a good choice? I don't know. I will find out. If he was going to leave Ben Davidson, again, I think he should have left him after the first fight with Wilder. If he was going to go with Stewart, the uh, crunk system, which he had been to Detroit and, and trained a little bit in that gym before, just to work out, just hanging out, basically what I do when I travel around the country. I, I see guys at different gyms and check them out and work out with everybody. That's kind of what Tyson Fury did there in Detroit once. Had he made that switch for the Tom Schwartz fight and then been with the new trainer for Otto Valin, and this would be the third fight with Wilder, then I think I would have liked it. But switching trainers when he did, I just don't know if I like that move. Uh, for the record, Tyson Fury and Ben Davidson parted on totally amicable terms from what I saw. So uh, there's no beef there or anything like that. I think Fury just wanted to make a change. I don't know if it's going to help him in this rematch. We shall see. Hey, it might turn out to be the smartest thing he's ever done. You know, we'll find out. But uh, back to PBC on Showtime, Gary Russell versus King Tug. So uh, Russell, of course, has fought once a year, literally once a year, 2015, 2016, 17, 18, and 19. That is one, two, three, four, five years in a row where he has fought once a year. That's insane. I can't think of another fighter this talented because Gary Russell Jr. is talented. I still think he's the best featherweight in the world. Once Lomachenko left the division, 
Gary Russell was the number one featherweight in the world and still is. Until somebody disproves that, he's the number one guy. And he fights once a year. He's literally Groundhog Day. He's Punks of Tony Phil. He's the Groundhog. He comes around once a year. I, I, what, how does this shit work with the Groundhog? If you see the shadow, it's more winter. I can't even remember. But anyway, he's the Groundhog. That needs to be his nickname. Gary Groundhog Russell. Let's, let's just make that official right now. Gary Groundhog Russell. That is his name. Now, Nyambar, 11-0 out of Mongolia. For Russell, this is the fifth defense of his WBC featherweight title. For King Tug, a lot of people are betting on King Tug. And I think that it looks, it could be a good bet, depending on what the odds are. But I did a little research. I looked into this fight this week. And I started looking at the styles and everything else. Nyambar, very experienced amateur, went to the Olympics, won a silver medal in 2012, went to several world championships, fought in one season of the World Series of Boxing, right? So he really looks like he's, this could be an upset special. He could pull this off, right? He could kind of do what, um, what Joseph Diaz did to Tevin Farmer last week, but I'm not so sure. As I look more into King Tug, in 2012 in the Olympics, he lost to who? Cuban Robesi Ramirez, who is a small, compact southpaw. In his one season in the World Series of Boxing in 2011, he fought Nordin Ubali and lost to him. Ubali, short southpaw. So both of those guys, two notable losses. There's nothing wrong with losing to those guys. They were years ago. I mean, it was 2011 and 2012, I do believe. So they were a while ago. The question is this. In terms of body style, those guys are built just like Gary Russell. I think Gary Russell is clearly faster, fights differently, of course. But still, small, compact southpaw. Has King Tug learned from those losses? And again, these losses were years ago, right? So has he learned from them? Does he know what to do? Uh, now against the guy that's built like that? Can he take that experience into this fight? Or is he going to lose again to a small, compact southpaw? We shall find out. But I will say, on the surface, Russell Jr. fights once a year. King Tug has a ton of experience. He's tall and rangy, a little awkward. This has the writings of an upset. So we'll find out. But I'm going to favor Gary Russell Jr. in this fight. All right, guys. So... um, Remember your homework, everybody. Uh, Please let me know what you think about uh, what time the show should be on Monday if we scale it back and do it earlier so you folks over in the UK can get on. And would you like to call in UK listeners? Because if so, I can hook up a UK local number for you guys. All right. Thank you, everyone who called in tonight. We had some great calls. Thank you, everyone who watched tonight. Great freaking show, man. We're starting to figure out the phone thing. We're starting to get the rhythm. Digging it. All right, guys. I'll see you at the fights. Have a good one.